Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, so I want to talk about what it means to (laughs) grow your own business and wake up one day and realize you're kind of out of all the the wearing all the hats and all the tasks and you've like got the people and the systems in place and you're sitting there like everything still seems to be falling apart and I'm still doing 75 million things and how did I get here and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm deeply ashamed that I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. I have met so many, you know, self-proclaimed entrepreneurs who are the CEO, they are the owner of the business they're running. And yet they don't really know what that means. They don't know what it looks like to fully sit in that seat. And part of the confusion lies in that they are incredibly, incredibly talented. We're talking like people who typically are the top of the class and like teacher's pet and like have always excelled in life and excelled in everything they've ever done. Like they're so used to being the star and now suddenly they've landed and everyone hits this point at a different point. I'm surprised that it's so variable, but when you are that incredibly talented and that smart and you know who you are and it's okay if you think you're smart, you're allowed to think you're smart. But many of you will get to a certain point and that point is different for everyone, but you will feel like you've hit a ceiling. Like some of you, it's going to feel like an income ceiling. Some of it's going to feel totally related to time. Some of it's going to feel like, I know I need more help, but either you can't afford it because you got other problems or like you're mismanaging the help you do have, or you have the wrong help, or you don't know how to identify the help you need. And then really the root of all of this is because you're so smart, you've been able to effectively communicate with the outside world enough of what you do that you can sell your service, you can sell your expertise, you can package that up and deliver it. And yet you're lacking a lot of foundational business knowledge 
that it takes to ultimately scale your business. Now, there's this misconception out there, and I heard this a couple of years ago, it about blew my mind wide open. Everyone talks about scaling as if it's only related to making more revenue. Mm-hmm. But scaling, especially if you look at other businesses and other industries, scaling is truly about the architecture and the operations and the behind the scenes that it takes to ultimately create a business that functions as if it's a machine, as if it has its own processes, its own structure to support its growth. And y'all are on some rocky foundations. Yeah. Or non-existent. And one of my favorite things, and favorite as in this is my least favorite thing, I'm joking. (laughs) And I feel like I started to see this a couple of years ago. A couple of our peers kind of entertain this idea. I don't know one person who's done this successfully, but I feel like there's, you hit this wall, right? And you're like, okay, I know something needs to change. So what do I want to do? I'm going to hire a CEO for my company so I can just keep doing the deliverables and the serving of the client. And then everything like crashes and burns for different reasons. Well, and then a lot of you don't end up calling them that. Like you end up hiring for integrator. (laughs) You call them other things. Which we've had a whole episode about death to the integrator. So if you want to dive deeper into that conversation, definitely go listen to that one. But at the end of the day, I've been shown again and again, and our peers and coaches have reiterated this to us. As the owner, you cannot change the fact that you have reputational, financial, like risk. You have stake in your company. And so because of that, the way you ultimately operate it is going to be so much different than if you are collecting a paycheck. Regardless of how incentivized that paycheck is, If you don't have skin in the game, so to speak, if it's not make or break, often this can lead things astray. So this is not about necessarily hiring that one person. I've definitely done my beef on that in other episodes. This is more about, I want to create a space where it's okay to admit that you've gotten to a certain point in your business. And you feel like it just kind of happened. Like you're yeah. like, well, I don't know what it took for me to get here. So I don't know what to keep doing in order for it to keep growing. Yeah. It's okay to not know. And I feel like so many, I remember earlier on in our business, I literally had this conversation with Emily. So do you think you just guess on some of this stuff? Like literally, like... <laughs> It's like, how do you forecast? How do you know who to hire next? How do you set up back-end systems that support you? How do you know what you even need to be working on? Like, I remember having all of these questions. And originally, my answer to all of them was, I think you just guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think all these people must just be figuring everything out through trial and error. And that's what a good CEO does. You experiment and you try, which is true. Like, that is not false. And you can experiment with intention. You can try with intention. There is never a guaranteed result from a specific attempt or tactic or whatever. That's just not true. That's where the experimenting comes. But you're not left to just forage these results and find them yourself and by yourself like you may have felt you've done for everything else in your business. 
Yeah. You are not required to know all of it out the gate. And I think because often the reason you started your business, the skill you have, because so much of it feels innate, Mm -hmm. like you didn't have to try. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the idea that you would have to be more intentional and like learn a thing and hone a skill like that is often new for you. And I am not, there's no shame that you were not born an operations expert. Yeah. And like, let's be real. There's a whole heck of a lot more resources out there about like how to grow your Instagram following or create content or like send emails or whatever, instead of how to actually be a CEO for your company. Because, and we've talked about this before on the show where it's like, I feel like it's starting to happen more and more conversations are starting, but the root of the education that's out there, the resources out there are super male centric, super, very big corporate centric. And so the concepts that work for, you know, a 2,500 employee company or a 20,000 employee or even 200 is so vastly different than what could be your three to five to 10 to 15 person team. Yeah. And so I feel like what you end up finding, you know, the things that have been built for quote unquote small business is all these programs and courses disguised as scaling tools Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are not teaching you about business. They are teaching you a marketing strategy or productivity hacks, hack your way to be High well, and the, and they're idealized, like, and so I think you know it's easy to think the amount of people that I just heard hype up, like, well, if you have a miracle morning, then you're gonna be good, or like if you run five days a week, then like then you're gonna be. A oh, good I saw this super annoying TikTok last night, and guys, this is how this messaging honestly contain all of us. We, as in me and Abby, are not above this messaging either. No. And I'll explain this situation last night. Literally last night, I was scrolling TikTok and I'm watching this TikTok and about halfway through, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a great message. I'm going to send this to, and I was naming people. I was going to send it to Abby. I was going to send it to my best friend because the whole concept was about reading books and how there's a vast majority of people who like stop reading books after they graduate high school or stop reading books after they graduate college. And then this person was then trying to make this correlation to the more books you read, the more income you earn. No. And the whole thing was like, if you want to be in the top 1%, so immediately that was my first red flag where I was like, fuck around. But they were like, top one percenters read this many books like per week, per month or whatever. It just creates this continued toxic perception that if you work harder, you'll make more money. Or if you have more knowledge, you'll make more money. The reward. It's I mean, knowledge is helpful. And I do think just as an aside about books, I do think books are often the cheapest way to get five, 10, 15 years of someone's expertise for $15. And if y'all look at my Goodreads, if I were to read five books a week, four of those are romance novels. So you're not <laughs> telling me anything about how I'm 10xing my revenue because of this spicy novel I just finished in a day. So like well, cause you're... and correlation are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. And so some of you, you're going to be like painted this perception that, and I encourage you to be on guard a bit because 
a lot of what's out there is, you know, like I mentioned, it's either going to show you, you're going to fix it all with a marketing strategy, which in some cases that'll help you earn money initially. And then if you don't have the operations to support it, you're either going to have really pissed off clients or it's going to work once. And then every time thereafter, it's going to work less and less. Yeah. And, and there's a the whole thing to that. But also I think a lot of you get to the point and because you're told this, because everyone is saying, well, you just need to hire so-and-so and you just need to like bring in this expert and you just need to have this person on your team. And I am not shorting I think having highly trained consultants in certain areas of your business is essential and you have to be willing to learn in the same way you did early on in your business. You know, if you are willing to learn and figure out how to start your social so you could get enough of an audience to sell to initially and you were willing to bootstrap it then, like, why do you feel so entitled now that you think you don't need to figure out how to operate an ethical company that like serves your team up? Well, and here's the question I want to ask y'all. If ultimately, if it were true that what you wanted to spend the majority of your time doing was just fulfilling client deliverables, then you'd go get a full-time job at an agency. But that is not true because ultimately you started your business for different reasons, maybe to impact your life in different ways, maybe to stretch your creative muscle, maybe to have a different work-life balance, freedom, whatever it might be, right? So therefore, in order to continue to have that and make it be sustainable and a solid foundation and ethical, like we're talking about, it's going to require you to shift your role and your skill set within your company. If you want to keep doing just those deliverables, go get a full-time job. There's nothing wrong with that. I fully support that. And I love that. And it's the reality that so many people realize they face when they get to that point in the business that they quote unquote accidentally created. But for those of you who are like, okay, no, actually I did make this for a reason. And I have a bigger impact goal in mind. And I have this different reason of why I started this, then it is going to require you to shift. Yeah. Emily and I have had many, many different jobs in our business in the last seven years. And just because you're not getting an eval from some manager and you're not applying for new positions doesn't mean that you don't have to like make intentional choices about doing different things in your business or trying on different hats or like firmly planting yourself in one area more than another. And they're not the same for every person. Like, and I think so many people are out there saying, oh, well, if you're the CEO, then you shouldn't write marketing copy. Or if you're the CEO, then you shouldn't be doing any client deliverables. Or if you're the CEO, then God forbid you go to XYZ thing. Like there's just so much guilt and shame that people are pouring around. And at the end of the day, if you are incredibly talented in a certain area, then why are you trying to like, fit yourself into someone else's box about what this is supposed to look like. I just don't get it. Like Emily and I shouldn't have the same job. 
No. And going back to a previous episode where we said, you know, you shouldn't ever hire you 2.0. I think this is kind of the next phase of that conversation where people are like, okay, if I don't know how to be a CEO and I don't trust, because ultimately that's what it comes down to is I don't trust myself enough to either learn the necessary skills or actually do the things that I think is required of a CEO to grow this company instead of trusting in yourself that you are resourceful and you will find the appropriate and aligned resources in order to equip you with the knowledge for you to make the right decision that works for you, that makes it sustainable for you. That's where the trust needs to fall into. But we're just convinced ourselves that if we don't have that right now, if we don't have those skills right now, that we can't ever get them. And I'm very interested. It's more of a social experiment of level of interest where I'm just so interested in the difference between our absolute willingness to be scrappy and learn how to, you know, DIY our own Squarespace website, for instance. But then we don't have that same kind of scrappy mentality when it comes to bigger, higher level moves in our business. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more 
Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. You're going to get to the point where you're confident enough in yourself that perhaps you don't have this comparisonitis with other businesses as much as you used to, but you're likely going to hit a point where you start to doubt your own ability to be in the position that you need to be in, or you have like the adequate experience to be doing this kind of job or training or whatever, and you're going to disqualify literally everything you did to get to this point. And so I wouldn't say it's more of an identity issue, I think, rather than it's not imposter syndrome in the typical sense that people are talking about. It's this whole like other level of who am I to be a CFO? Like, yeah, I have and marketing background. (laughs) Understanding the difference between I'm not equipped to do this versus I'm not equipped to do this and I can become equipped in a way that's right for my company. I think that that's the biggest mental shift I had to take around this because yeah, Google might not hire me for their CEO. That makes a lot of sense, like hundred <laughs> percent, right? But like, <laughs> I can't let that limitation of all of these companies that wouldn't hire me as a CEO just because I'm a CEO here mean any inkling to what I can perform for this role, right? It's just so goofy. It's like, okay, sure, maybe not. But like, even if you're not like qualified in the typical sense, you're uniquely qualified to run your company because you have the most background. You have the most nuanced information. You've been there through every phase. You're going to remember things that no one on your team, regardless of how long they've been with you, could possibly retain. And it's not because you have a really great memory. Literally, no. Like, no. I have a shit memory. My and I work. still know way more nuances about running this company than I could possibly train or explain away to someone else. That is the only benefit of the business brain never turning off is you're always thinking about it, right? And so therefore, whether you realize it or not, you can pull on some of those memories six, seven years down the line and be like, oh, actually. <laughs> actually. And... It makes you really smart. Like, I think, I like, when did we lose our luster? I don't know if it's something about being like, I see this happen a lot to women in their mid 30s, mid 40s, where like all of a sudden they're like, I'm supposed to be in the prime of my career and like be doing the ish that like <laughs> my kids look up to. And this is what the things I do now are the things that could build a legacy if I do them right, or I could fuck it all up and give it all up and start over. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I just, I think we just put so much pressure on ourselves because now we're supposed to be an adult and adulthood 
in this century (laughs) for our generation, it just doesn't look the same as our parents' generation or the generation before that. And, you know, there's more women than ever choosing to have a career or run their own business. And what a cool time to be alive. And also there's no precedent for this. And so because there's no precedent, you get to set it and you get to decide what it looks like to show up. And I wish more of you would be willing to set aside your ego a bit and say, you know what, I get that I can perform this service all day long. And I'm also willing to admit that I need help here, here and here. And whatever that is, like it could be finance operations and management. It could be, you know, you really need help in processes. Like, I mean, it could be anything, but it has to start just like with anything else. Anytime you ever going to get help, I'm going to put you on that 12 step program. I haven't been through it myself necessarily for that, but I've been through enough therapy appointments in my lifetime (laughs) to tell you that the first step to moving forward with anything is being willing to admit to yourself, like, where you're feeling unqualified or or not ready or like you're not able to. And I just, I think you'd be surprised you got here. Like you have a hundred percent success rate of getting through hardship because you're still here. Yeah. And so why are we so convinced that, and I think a lot of it comes down to, I've been thinking a lot about this. We're so convinced we can't do it because we're not in it yet. But every other time we were in it, we always figured it out. Yep. And so like, why are we so scared of the future self all of a sudden? I don't know. Maybe for me, it was feeling like I was at a runway. Like I had imagined my life to a certain point and then I didn't have any imagination of what it would look like after that. And so then I had like this giant identity crisis about oh God, like now I have the career and I have the house and I have, you know, I have the dogs and the cute furniture and what am I supposed to do now? (laughs) I've checked all the boxes. Like, you know, you're taught to go to school and fall in love and maybe you were told to start a business, but like you get to a point where you've done all the things and you're like, oh, well, what now? And I think it's so cool that you get to define what's next. Yeah. And how it's going to work for you and how it is to achieve the goals that you have. I, Recently, kind of going back a little bit to resourcefulness, I recently wrote a love letter to our audience about what I believe is the number one skill for small business owners and service providers and industry experts. And it's reflecting back on, because someone asked us recently or someone either in Slack or I can't remember, it was just the conversation kind of posed of what do you think is like one of the number one skills that got you to where you are now or something like that. And I sat there and, you know, you could sit and pick apart one marketing strategy or one technique or when I did this, it it did that. And I think that that's the easy, really surface level version of that question. But when I really got down to it, I was like, at the end of the day, the number one skill that I think I bring to the table or have that's really helped us get super far is how resourceful I am. And I was resourceful in our partnership in decisions that we make of what to market and where to market and how to say things. I'm resourceful in the way that we communicate. We're resourceful in the things that we don't know and of who we bring into our team and who we pay and choose to invest in and learn from, the books that we buy, the things that we spend our time doing on. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for that resourcefulness. And it's a unique skill. And I think 
Some people are definitely more resource. Like you are resourceful in a way that I am not, and I'm resourceful in a way that you are not, right? Yeah. And we rely on that skill in different ways, but it served our business tremendously over the years. Side note on my ability to be resourceful for a second. <laughs> I have never been more proud than I was last night at like 1030. I shouldn't have been working, but I was. I'll admit it. But I have this like, I don't know how this is going to work. And I just stood in the middle of my living room and I was looking at Jared. And then I, it was like, you know how you mentioned recently, the numbers just <laughs> yes, flashed in front yes, of you. I can and I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> so I like ran to my office and I didn't know the answer, but I knew how to find the answer. Yes. That's what I mean. And so like I had to code something. In a previous life, I was a full-time website designer. I have never been a trained coder. Did I take coding classes? Yes. But knowing languages that are not English is not, well, even English, I'm not that great at. So let's just be real that that has never been a skill of mine. But to Emily's point, my ability to figure out what do I need to know and how can I find the answer, that is such a unique quality. And so I'm like... Well, I know that I need to find this bit of code and I know it needs to do this thing and I know how to look for it because of insert all of these things that I've experienced in my lifetime and in my career. But that same sort of like beautiful mindness, like I don't think you understand if you're listening to this, I know you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that just happened last week about this thing. Mm -hmm. Not everybody thinks that way. No. Well, and what's really funny is that like, so I'll have those moments my resourcefulness is like finding things at home of how I have that beautiful mindset or like messaging that clicks together. But I'll do the exact same thing where I just literally stop and I, <laughs> I like totally creep someone out at the coffee shop the other day because I was like needing to formulate a different way of saying something. And so I have my laptop in front of me and my coffee and I'm just like staring into space and didn't realize I was like directly staring at someone. I'm not even picturing them at all. I'm just like, I wish you guys could see my face right now. It's just like mouth kind of open, blank stare. Words are just coming together in my brain. And then I like immediately get inspired and go to a laptop and start like, you know, that meme where the cat is like pounding yeah. at the computer. Yeah. It's 100% that. Or at home, if I'm like needing to find something, because like my husband loses everything. And so he's like, you know, it literally is happening the other day. He's like, where he came up from his office in the basement and I'm sitting on the couch and he goes, where's my phone? I can't find my phone. I've been looking for it forever. It's water bottle or something. And I was like, oh, it's on the dining room table behind that Amazon box. That's like to the left of whatever, whatever. And he was like, how, like, you're not even in there. Like I don't, but I had passed by it at some point during the day. My brain cataloged it. I knew he would need it later. And instead of like, I could have just moved it to where he could have seen it. He still he wouldn't have even seen it if it was on the kitchen counter, but I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I know exactly where it is right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish that this was a skill that everyone had and it, it's not. And I also urge you to figure out how to hire for it so that you can have a really fantastic team that's also capable of doing this. Because the moment you have someone who's not like that on your team, when you are, that can be... Oh, it's real frustrating. It's real <laughs> frustrating. But that's a story for another You're day. You're like, I also don't know the answer, but can you try to go find it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the amount of times I'm like, I don't know, but give me five seconds on Google. So, you know, this boils down to, okay, if you're willing to admit it, then let's figure out what resources do you really need? Okay, you're resourceful. Okay, but to what point 
do you want to, short answer, you could go read 75 books on different subjects and like pull together different strategies that are probably taught by a white man who's been in business for 50 years. Are you calling this out because this was our plan on something this year? <laughs> last year? At least that was my plan. Well, you know, and I, to no disservice, unfortunately, because women haven't had the right to be in the room so often, there's just so few women talking about these experiences because they haven't had the opportunity themselves. And thus, you don't have a choice. Like, you have to often choose to learn from a white man that can afford to run. Like, I respect some of them even. Like, some of them do really quality research and I, I hate that I respect I them. Just, I even respect some of them. <laughs> I don't respect all of them. <laughs> you know, you, it's, I you can. It's fine. I'm biased. What can I say? There's a reason we support women and gems in our business, okay? But you could piece that together over time and maybe Which come we up definitely with a hundred percent. And sometimes that's going to be your best bet. But I also think there's such a unique opportunity to be in a room with other people who are going through the same things and facing the same challenges and rise together, not only in a community, but also with someone who's willing to lead the way. And I don't often brag on the things we've done and accomplished, but I recently had someone message us and she's like, I just don't know. Like, are you really the right fit for me? Like I already have a team of eight and I've been in business 15 years, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I have a full-time staff of 10, but that's neither here nor there. To me, the unique opportunity I have is I haven't just run my business you know, yes, I had a previous career and a previous lifetime in which I got to experience businesses of all shapes and sizes. But the perspective that I have that so many other businesses do not have is I've had a back seat to tens of thousands of small business owners and the unique challenges they faced and their willingness to just lay it all out there. I can't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of conversations I've had with small businesses of so many shapes and sizes from so many different industries with just so many unique things happening. And the cool part is in the same way I can beautiful mind stuff together, I can also pull from all of these different businesses and all of these different types and pull that information into one spot and come up with very unique examples that I guarantee you're not going to find in any book. Well, anywhere. And the amount of times you and I have sat on a call and been like, Ooh, this one person said this thing. And we know that if they did this one tweak, here's what would open up for them. And we, Abby and I have that conversation multiple times a week about multiple different clients or peers or people who were just seeing like a, the surface level version of what they've got going on. That is our superpower of being able to see a little bit into it and being like, well, it's actually this pivot that they should make. And that would open up this, that, and the other. And it's because we've gotten that backseat to literally over 10,000 businesses. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're always perfect or that we will always have the right answer, but I do think we will always have a perspective that will 
open your thoughts and mind. And I, you know, what I was afraid to like own for so long, because, you know, when your background's in marketing and you've been doing marketing for ages to say that you actually know because you have the proof and you have the data behind it, that you're much stronger in teaching systems and processes and giving people a template to follow that's totally customizable and can be completely unique to other businesses. It feels weird to admit that, but I think the reason it works, the reason our systems and operation strategies work is because we have this vast marketing knowledge that feeds into systems. Because I think oftentimes you're seeing even a super trained project manager look at an operations system with the lens of just how does the work get done. And I don't want it to just get done. I want it to get it done and be profitable. I want to get it done as efficiently as possible and save you the most time. And sometimes I have seen super beautiful systems that are lacking in efficiencies by like, oh my gosh, like it's it's almost hard to look at because you're like, why is there 75 million steps when it doesn't need to be that complicated? Yeah. Well, and I mean going back to some of the resourceful conversation of really checking and recognizing yourself of, I think the number one question you need to ask yourself is give yourself permission that you don't have to know how to do something, but trust in yourself that you will figure out the necessary tools in order to get it done. That tool may be different. It may be investing in how to learn how to do something. It may be hiring someone to do it. It may be learning it yourself so then you can implement it. Like there's so many different versions of what that could look like. And it's going to be different for every single situation in your business. It is not a, you get to pick the same method for every single thing. And I think if we can begin to trust ourselves again, that we do make smart decisions and that you are absolutely capable of figuring it out, even if it's not you who knows all the answers. <laughs> you don't have to know all the answers. You never have to know all the answers. I told Emily the other day, you know, if one of us doesn't know the answer, we know how to look for it. And if we don't know how to look for it, we know the right person asked that would know how to look for it or they already know the answer. And all of a sudden it was like, huh. Maybe for the first time, I feel like I have everything I need in this moment. And when the things come up that I don't know, that I didn't even know that I was going to need, I have the resources and connections to figure it out at that point. But I'm allowing myself to not always know what three months from now looks like. I don't think you can future-proof yourself as much as you think that you can. And I think that that's what it ultimately comes down to for some people is you are looking ahead and I love that, but you're future-proofing yourself for problems that may not even ever exist, that may not ever come up for you. Or if you like create a system now, like won't be an issue. I think we, part of the like negative side of being a CEO is part of that, like looking ahead and predicting and what's coming down the pipeline, but you can also do that too deeply. Yeah. Like we used to, when we planned a whole year, we would plan like a whole year. (laughs) And now, you know, we may plan 
high level, a couple of an events that are happening over a year, but we're really only looking at a quarter at a time. And even with that, we're making it really clear one week at a time with our team what the individual priorities are, even if it's all based on an outcome that was preset, even if we knew the goal and what we're working towards, how we get there will shift. And the more you try to perfect it too far in advance, the more frustrated you're going to be because you're going to keep changing it. And I think not that I always want you because you can get in a trap where you just decide and throw up and I've done this too, (laughs) where you just decide I'm going to throw up my hands and I'm going to stop worrying about the future. And I'm just going to like figure out what I need to do today and get through the day and whatever. But you can (laughs) basically give up future proofing so much so that you're not you don't have direction anymore. And so it it takes some delicate balancing to figure out what's an adequate amount of predicting for the future and like setting processes for the future, but also knowing they can change. And I think similarly, this reminds me of when, you know, everyone was just, I think SOPs are important. Standard operating procedures are important, but I don't know why it became like this hot topic, I don't know, four or five years ago. And everyone's like, you need an SOP for everything. And Emily and I were like, but we do everything. Literally, at that point, we were doing it all. And most of it, we were doing repetitively enough that like, the odds of me forgetting were low. So our version of an SOP was straight up a checklist. Like, literally, (laughs) it was a checklist. And other people had these like, detailed, like, 20 page documents for like, things that take them five minutes. And we're like, that is such a waste of time. And so even now, I'm like, yes, let's make an SOP for what we need now. But like, it's gonna change. (laughs) Like I have, I am committed to it is always evolving. If you're not always evolving, then like, where are you going? You know, 100%. Well, I want to invite you if diving deeper into this in learning how to trust yourself again, if really figuring out what does your role as a CEO actually look like in your growing business, I want to invite you to join us at this must-attend event that's happening later this month for industry experts, premium service providers, and consultants. You can grab your ticket to our virtual conference. It's one day. It's super incredible. We're having some amazing sessions all around how to help you build a reliable business that allows you to live life on your terms. Because I know your priorities have shifted over the last couple of years, but figuring out just because we have those new priorities, what does it actually look like in our business in the day-to-day and what we're doing and how are we growing ethically and sustainably? We want to talk about it. And we are seriously like peek behind the biggest curtain ever into our business and the perspective of over 10,000 other businesses that we've worked with over the years inside this event. You can grab your ticket. Abby, where do they need to go to get it? Yeah, bossproject.com slash conference. And I want you to grab your ticket and get access to the Freedom Conference where we'll really be talking about that shift. And I can't wait to see what it looks like. As soon as you grab your ticket, slide into our DMs. I want to hear from you. Head to Boss Project on Instagram. Say, I grabbed my virtual conference ticket. 
and tell us what you're excited about. Tell us what about this podcast resonated with you and what got you interested. We are really having conversations that I do not see happening. And especially for women in FEMS. And so we want to pave the way and we're ready to create a safe space for you to explore what this looks like and have a place that it's okay to admit that you don't know all the things. Maybe even if that's the first time you've ever been able to say that out loud, we're going to create a space where that's okay. And no one's going to judge you. And it's going to be an incredible experience. I do not want you to miss it. It's going to be live. So make sure you go to bossproject.com slash conference. Send us a DM at Boss Project and we'll chat. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.